Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we are talking about season seven, episode 12 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Postcards from the Edge. You know, a lot of a lot of bullshit. There was some fun stuff sprinkled in, but it was a lot of bullshit. This episode is a lot more duds than not duds. And there's a number of reasons. It's tired tropes. We can't even appreciate the fact that Julian died. Because we've dragged him out so long. I mean, keep in mind, this is the third episode of this chapter. And we just learned Reyna's name. I can now officially tell you this is the Reyna chapter. I, I was on the right path name-wise. I was never going to get Reyna. Yeah, you had the right idea. I mean, you were getting close. And you even said you think it ends with a, uh, and it's a sort of sexy name. So I'm going to call that a, a B plus. We'll call it a B. Fair enough. We don't need a plus. We can negotiate. <laughs> The problem is, is there's just a lot of tired tropes here. What are we doing in a fight club? It's a lot of laziness. And it is a lot of like, I said last week, oh, so we're keeping Julian around so we know how this Huntress works. So I was like, okay, at least like, I think it's dumb he's still here, but at least there's a purpose. I get it. But this like Stefan and Valerie killed him anyway. Why were they on their asses for a month and a half? Like, Stefan wasn't even in hell that long. Well, he's waiting for Damon to come out. Why didn't he just kill Julian? And even without the hell storyline, Valerie, what have you had going on? You're not in college. That's the thing. Valerie should have killed Julian like as soon as Lily died. Yeah. I mean, she should have done it, honestly, in 1903. Well, she should have, instead of trying to set him on fire. I mean, I guess that, you know, everybody was invisiquated when that happened. There were plenty of times we could have ripped that herd out. I've been saying it for weeks. If you're going to set someone on fire anyway... You might as well just rip their heart out and then set them yeah. on fire. It just double up. Like, let's make sure they're dead. Because as I said last week, and I continue on my refrain this week, fire doesn't mean shit. We've seen bodies come back from fire before. Let's all go check some coffins. Yes, let's not forget that Klaus was burnt and he was totally fine. Tyler was burnt. When was Tyler burnt? Wasn't Tyler burnt during the passenger chapter? No, I don't think so. Maybe it was when Klaus and Tyler were switching bodies. It was because Klaus got his body burnt, but he hopped into Tyler's body. Okay. But then wasn't Tyler's body in like cement? Yes. Or they were going to put his body in... You know what? It's not important. The point is, is that fire is not the end-all be-all with nothing else. Yeah. As a general rule, if you're going to kill someone, you might as well tick a couple boxes. I'm a big advocate for snap the neck, then stake, then burn. Makes the staking easier, guarantees everything. See, or even rip out hurt because stakes can miss a hurt. Yeah, might as well rip out the hurt if you know where you're going. Yeah. If you're a human, absolutely stake. I'll say it. Decapitate too. Dismember. It can't hurt. Like if I'm already on the murder track, then I- I'm going to make darn sure it sticks. Yeah, especially someone like Julian, who is the equivalent of like a fly in my ear. I'm hitting that fly swatter hurt. I want pieces all over the wall before I start wiping it up. It's like when I kill a bug, I hit it with a shoe and then I crush it with a paper towel and get it in my hand. And then I and then I flush it. No. And then I squeeze the paper towel really tight and then I flush it. <laughs> so that bug's dead. That bug's not coming back. <laughs> There's no chance. Do that with vampires. Yeah, I don't understand what's so hard. We've all seen Scream. They always pop back up. We've all seen Zombieland. Double tap. And if the body disappeared before you could check, then they're alive. And just wait for them to come back and do it again. Yeah, just assume. 
I will say the one thing I said when this episode started, I said, I need either Bo or Enzo to be in this episode because it's been too long for both of my little, my little babies. And I was going to say, I don't care which, but I was hoping it was Enzo. So yeah, thank the Lord for that. One out of two ain't bad. This part of season seven, and I will say, so I like to do a rewatch of a season while we're covering it so that I can be fresh when I, you know, gaslight you and ask you for guesses. And I just finished my rewatch of season seven because it's a slog to get through this middle section. So it took me a while. It does get better from here. It's hard to imagine that it could get any worse. That's the thing. The Julian stuff is such bullshit. I was thinking this episode, I was like, I need Julian dead this episode. or It's going to be really hard for me to watch the next one. Like I've been struggling with him. I understand they've done Hunter chapters before, but the Hunter chapters, like, it's simple. It's clean. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I would rather have a sexy woman Hunter than Julian's weird looking ass who does nothing. As we've seen, a compelling single villain is always going to be better than a group of villains, even if on paper it doesn't seem as threatening. Because right now it's like Julian and his biker gang. I'm not threatened. I'm not entertained. I'm not moving. (laughs) Well, because he has this biker gang full of friends who like, quote unquote, look to him as a leader. No one follows his order. No one asks him for shit. No one moves. Literally. I mean, there's one time when two of them do something he asks in this episode. One time. And everyone's all afraid like, oh, he's going to retaliate. He's obviously not. Lily was more likely to retaliate than Julian. Lily was more threatening than Julian. He keeps giving empty threats like, if you come back in here, I'm going to kill you. And then they come back in and look who walks out alive again. Which, I mean, they treat Julian the same way. They're like, oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And then they see him and just, I guess, hang out for 10 minutes, then leave. We need to stick to our word a little bit here. Just if you're going to kill someone, just fucking nut up or shut up. Don't say it if you're not going to do it, because now I'm bored. I'm desensitized at this point to hurts being pulled out. So if you're not doing it now, it's like yawn, boring. I'm sleeping. I'm dozing off. Like, I don't need another scene of Julian telling you he went insane when he lost your mother. Uh, One, he didn't. Yeah, I watched it. I was here. I saw nothing. And two, what what exactly does that conversation accomplish? The mother is still dead. Julian's still doing nothing. I would rather watch more scenes of people writing in their goddamn diary. The theme this week is literally no one moved. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Including us. Anyway. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack. We have to start getting into the episode because we're getting (laughs) carried away here. Um, But before we get into it, here's a quick ad. I will start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. When his experience in the Phoenix Stone leads him to do the unthinkable, Damon finds himself without a care in the world. That's not the right way to describe that. Spiraling out of control and under the influence of a dangerous and reckless Julian. Okay. Refusing to give up on his brother, (laughs) Stefan attempts to reason with Damon, only to uncover the devastating reason for his descent. Elsewhere, Caroline begins having some dangerous side effects as a result of her supernatural pregnancy and is forced to turn to Valerie for help. Meanwhile, Bonnie, Nora, and Mary Louise attempt to track down a ruthless vampire hunter named Raina after they suspect that she has reemerged. As I said, we can now officially admit we are in the Reina chapter. We've been in the Reina chapter. I have good hopes for it. I don't want to say high hopes. I think I have reasonable hopes for it. I think reasonable hopes is a good place to be. Yeah. I did say season seven gets better from here. I don't want to get your hopes too far up. Oh, no. I Like, I think she'll be sexy and scary enough. I mean, she's scary enough in the time jump. Like, I'll get into it. We open the episode. Where else? The road. <laughs> 
And it's like, well, we haven't been here in a bit. Yeah, Damon's been doing pretty good lately, but Damon's laying in the street. It is what it is. Here we are. <laughs> a car drives up and honks because there's a guy in the street. So Damon sits up. But a guy comes out of the car and says, hey, man, are you okay? Damon says, do you mind giving me a hand? And the guy, the guy's name is Cooper. We'll learn in a second. Cooper helps him up and says, hey, man, what are you doing out here? And Damon says, you know, I don't know. I thought it would make me feel better. Cooper said, laying in the street? Cooper said, that's super weird. And I'm starting to regret that I got out of my car to ask you. That's men, because me, if I see someone in the street, I'm rolling down my window and being like, hey, you okay? And if you start being weird, gas pedal. I didn't even put the car in park. I'm not rolling that window down for, it is like an inch. You can hear me, but you cannot get in here. So Cooper says, should I call someone? And Damon says, what's your name? Cooper says, Cooper. And Damon says, Cooper, have you ever done something so unspeakably horrific you couldn't even look yourself in the mirror? Like it literally makes you ill to see your own reflection. And he compels him to be honest. And Cooper says, I ran over my girlfriend's cat a couple months ago. Whoa. Like, Cooper, that's not great, buddy. I'm not going to say you deserve to die, but it's bad. It's interesting because you would expect, you know, the random person Damon picks to be like, oh, one time I stole something, like something low stakes. You killed a cat? You killed your girlfriend's cat and lied about it? And then he says, oh, and I didn't tell her. And even though it was an accident, I threw the body in a supermarket dumpster. That is insane behavior. But Damon... Damon did not expect Cooper to have this much to contribute, so he doesn't really address this. Yeah, because he he wanted to talk about himself. He's like, oh, damn, dude, that's weird, too. But anyway, I actually did something worse. He said, I actually did beat you still, even though not great. You know, Prince. Damon says, I killed the love of my life. I burned her alive while she was asleep. I also beat one of her best friends till he was unconscious and left him for dead, if we're keeping score. And Cooper says, you know what? I feel better. Cooper says, actually... I'm not doing that bad, it turns out. Cooper says, well, you know, I think I am going to go. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I bet you think that. Damon says, actually, I could use a ride. So in Cooper's car, Cooper's driving, and Damon says, you know, I thought Elena had changed me. I thought she made me a better man, but I was wrong. I was so wrong. It was always going to end up this way. Me destroying her. That's what my whole tour of duty in the Phoenix Stone taught me. I'm permanently damaged goods. You ever feel that way, Cooper? Cooper said, not really. Also, what the fuck is a Phoenix Stone? Cooper said, you just gave me a lot of stuff to think about. And I'm not really past you burning someone alive. If you burned the love of your life alive, it doesn't look good for me, a stranger you met in the middle of nowhere. And I don't really know why I let you in my car, because I'm assuming he was compelled. Yeah. So so now it's kind of weird that I'm thinking about it. What what was I thinking? Cooper says, well, I've never really felt that way. And Damon says, you're lucky, Cooper. I also am going to kill you now. And Cooper says, well, excuse me? Cooper says, hey. And Damon says, <laughs> it's nothing personal. I'm hungry. You're food. Think of it as a stop at a drive through window. You'll be afraid. I won't care. To be honest, I can't imagine caring about anyone ever again. Not a single solitary soul. You have a lot of other friends, bitch. I would ask you to care a little bit, at least about your brother. I fear I'll be on my anti-Damon-ish a bit. I'm going to get on my high horse because deaf and girlies are kind of finally crawling out of the trenches. Their head's out of the trench. That's enough. But the body's still in there. I mean, I'm going to defend Damon. It's going to be heard because he he does. He's being a bitch ass. He is being a bitch ass. But I think the main reason he's being a bitch ass is because he was too stupid to not check that Elena was actually alive. Because like I said last week, that fire didn't do bullshit. Yeah, he just seems to accept that he's killed Elena. 
like that's more what is pissing me off. I mean, he's handling it bad, obviously. With a clear head, it's worth visiting the coffin again. I would, as Stefan, want to visit just to be like, can I say goodbye, whatever. Um, And also someone should probably check on Tyler. Yeah, someone should check on Tyler. That's a thing that no one's even addressing. But also, I can't fault Stefan for, you know, not going to check the coffin immediately because this is a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah. For Stefan particularly. Stefan just learned in hell he needs to abandon his brother. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. My brother's not that bad. And then he killed your former girlfriend, who he's now in love with. To be fair. Oh, to be fair. Go ahead. Let's get into this. Let's be fair. So... Obviously, we know that Damon did physically burn Elena. Yeah. I would at least, if I'm Stefan, want to check that that wasn't a hallucination. Sure. But Damon is saying it quite confidently. You, I would assume if I were Stefan, that Damon already thought, oh, maybe that was a hallucination. I better go check. And if he's telling me, he knows it's real. Yeah, that is... That ideally, that would be the situation. Ideally, I mean, it is what it is. But I do think not to make Stefan do all the emotional labor in the relationship. That's what everyone expects of him anyway. But do you think Damon has the emotional strength to double check if he burned his girlfriend? You just said he should double check, though. He should. But of these two, one of them should be checking. And I think Stefan is more equipped mentally to check. Stefan has other shit to do. His girlfriend's in the hospital getting desiccated by babies. And Damon's going to get in little fights with boys behind the restaurant. Damon is more free. Damon is more free, but he's clearly not ready to go check. I mean, Damon should probably call someone else because obviously he doesn't want to say this to Stefan. And I guess he can't say it to Bonnie. I'm getting back to Damon. Where's your friend Enzo at? Honestly, what Damon should do in this situation He needs a human friend because he needs to compel them. He needs to get either Matt or Rick and compel them to take him to the coffin. So then he doesn't have to reveal this to anyone until he knows for sure he did it. Yeah. Because that's the real holdup is he doesn't want to tell anyone he did this. And he's right to not want to tell anyone he did it because it's jazz behavior. It's pretty bad. It's worse than when he killed Jeremy. Yeah, I would say this is probably one of the worst things he has done if it stuck. But you don't believe it stuck. Oh, it didn't stick. I don't. There's no belief. It's it's a fact. Like we can go back and forth on this, but she's fine in that coffin. <laughs> she's like, OK, it was a little warm in here for a bit, but I think Damon's losing it a bit out there. Hopefully someone else can handle that while I'm here. She's going to wake up with no eyebrows and a pixie cut. They have wigs. Anyway, so Damon then feeds on Cooper. Cooper screams and veers off the road because no one stopped the car. And then Damon tosses Cooper out of the car and uh, drives away. And it kind of looks like he runs over Cooper. I mean, I don't think he does because he's right next to him, but the car bumps. Yeah, it's a little rude. Cooper didn't need that. Cooper's like, damn. Actually, Cooper did because he did run over his girlfriend's cat. So actually, that is karma coming for his ass. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, Cooper. We go over to Whitmore. Caroline is writing to Elena. We haven't seen anyone write to Elena in a while. Of course, it's useless. She'll never read this because she's burnt. (laughs) In theory. Caroline says, Dear Elena, I haven't written in a while. Apparently, pregnancy eats at your brain. Anyway, we all miss you. Get to a point, girl. She's got to read 16 years of journal entries. She doesn't need to read, I haven't written in a while. Yeah, every entry starts with, Hi, Elena, we miss you. Haven't written in a while. She's like, oh my God, skip this part. (laughs) Get to the action. She says, Stefan's finally bouncing back from his days in that Phoenix Stone hell, but he's worried about Damon, a lot more so than usual. Elena's reading this like, oh, what the fuck, Damon? You couldn't even last a year, like, well-adjusted? And he's like, damn, he did not handle this well. Stefan comes in. 
And he says, sorry, I was trying to track down my brother. Do you want curly fries or waffle fries? I brought both. Need me a man like that. Caroline says, oh, all of them, everything. Gimme. And then she eats the fries. She says, oh, my God, I love you. And he says, are you talking to me or the fries? Yuck, yuck, yuck. Because she's <laughs> fat. Because she's pregnant and fat. And she loves to eat now. You guys get it? <laughs> you guys get the joke? <laughs> she says, do you want me to lie to you? Because <laughs> I'm so fat and I love food and I'm such a gross, gross woman. Miracle of life. Funny. And they kiss. And she says, love you too. Did you find him? And Stefan says, no. And Caroline says, okay, well, let me just chow down this cheeseburger and then I will help you track him down. And she says, oh, ow. And he says, oh, <laughs> are they kicking again? And she says, yeah. And then they kick. It must be a little hurt. She's like, ow, that wasn't very nice. And he says, <laughs> are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I think I should just, uh, I'm going to stand up for a second. Uh, and she stands up and then she faints. And he says, uh... <laughs> <laughs> damn he took too long to bring the food it's just like him with the clean violets all over again i know <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding uh we <laughs> joke now we go back to the grove hill police department station one of the many dud storylines that really brings this episode down mm-hmm. these two we're back to cop romance because not to get ahead of myself but every couple with matt is kind of bullshit except the matt and rebecca couple that's like the one i kind of stand but this is even worse because this they like wrote a girlfriend format so they took all the bad parts and made a new character into that just what we need two mats great so penny's unpacking the bag of steaks she found last week and she says crossbow steak gun wooden ammo grenades filled with and matt says vervain (laughs) she says vervain right and you confiscated this from a group of zombie apocalypse survivalists not a bad lie go matt great lie i was impressed with this matt says that's what i said (laughs) matt said sure (laughs) Why not? <laughs> Penny says, yeah, you know, I heard Mystic Falls has become a nutball magnet for all sorts of supernatural thrill seekers. Matt says, yeah, well, people have a lot of spare time on their hands. Anything else, Officer Aries? She says, no, you're free to go. And she opens the cell and she says, here's your wallet, keys and phone. P.S. Your matchasingle.com notifications are blowing up. Lucky for you, mine's crickets. You couldn't waterboard that out of me. Girl, that's embarrassing. How desperate are you for a boyfriend? You found a guy drunk driving who has a bag full of apocalypse stuff. And I know he says he confiscated it, but it was in his personal truck. Well, and of course he said he confiscated it because you're a cop. So he would lie about it if it was his. Like, I don't know. It's not it's not who I would hit on. I would hit on Doug. Doug is a homeowner. Doug is a homeowner in Mystic Falls. <laughs> He's definitely going to get a big government payout if he waits for the class action. <laughs> but anyway, no, she's like, oh, and by the way, you can call me Penny. And I didn't officially book you last night. So you're welcome. So you just sat around all night and didn't do any work. Yes. Yeah, so you just made me sleep overnight in the jail for not even really being that drunk on the road. <laughs> <laughs> she wants him bad and Lord knows why. But that's kind of uh, indifferent to her, honestly, at least at first. He's kind of indifferent to most things in his life, honestly. Yeah, he's pretty depressed. Penny says, hey, chin up. You know, it turns out they aren't letting your town burn to the ground after all. And he says, what do you mean by that? Because they definitely are. He said, that does not jive with what I've been hearing. (laughs) And she says, oh, well, my friend Doug got a call from the Mystic Falls City Planning Office this morning. Said he could come reclaim his house today. Something about the fire risk zone being reevaluated. This is so funny to me. Because who is making the phone calls? Because it seems like they're getting individual phone calls. And I know they could just like say they're from the city planning office. But with caller ID, realistically, 
a group of vampires had to go to the city planning office and call all these people. Well, and also like when they said this, I didn't even read that into it. I was like, oh, the city planning office is still working. How's that happening? Yeah, I thought the town was evacuated. So at first I was like, I guess they're getting the city planners to do this, but they're just like calling people randomly. Well, and this is what's interesting. Again, not to compare it to the travelers, but it seems like the attitude that Julian and all these people have is like, we're just hanging out like we don't need a town infrastructure, which the travelers also didn't seem to like. They're not electing a mayor. They're not staffing the city planning office. So they both seem like they just want to kind of hang out. But in this storyline, there's all kinds of like the city planning office, the registrar. It's like there's so many city services still working. And at least when they were the travelers, they didn't pretend those were there or they just didn't reference them. So why do we keep referencing like social services? Because also, if you're already at the city planning office for whatever this lie is why would you not just compel them to sign the deeds over yes so then you don't have to like then they don't have to be there that's the thing we later find out that they're like bringing these people back into town so they can compel them to be invited in and then sometimes they kill them sometimes they don't which i guess like would make sense if you wanted to keep other vampires out of your house but that doesn't seem to be a thing any of these people are concerned with they are all like waiting to be handed out houses by Julian. If I were like an unorganized vampire, I'd just pick a house and then kill the person. Why am I letting Julian shoot at me so he can assign me a house? Like it'd be easier to go to a town where someone's already in their house and you just show up and take it from them. Yeah. Because I know no one's actually working at this bar. So yeah. I know there's no food and I know you're vampires, but like you like eating. You know, you want to fry once in a while. Yeah. Like, what exactly are you getting out of the deal? Because you don't even seem to like Julian. And how badly do you want to be in a fight club? Like, just join an MMA gym. Yeah. This is also Julian's problem in general is like all his plans are just like a little bit too organized that it doesn't really drive with his character. It's the same thing as when he was capturing all those people and feeding them saline and steak and lobster essentially to come to a party. And then they killed four people. What are you doing all this for? Don't you have other ways you could spend your time? But then, of course, revisionistly, they're like, oh, yeah, I was really insane then. No, you were very organized in doing tasks. You've not been losing it. You're, you're very much an organized person. You can't say you were, like, going insane. You were cooking hundreds of meals a day. <laughs> you were cooking hundreds of steaks. And maybe Bo was there. But, like, someone had to be, like buying that food and like doing the dishes like you were essentially running a restaurant yes and you didn't even kill anyone so it's like all this stuff with the city planning it's like you are overcomplicating every aspect of this which doesn't make sense with the character of julian who's supposed to be like impulsive and crazy but he also goes to the city planning office to make all these calls and he again he's sitting down and assigning people houses or he's like oh let me look at all the available houses i can dole out this family has a buick what it just seems like after Lily died, why would he not just be like evacuation order is lifted? All the people can come back to Mystic Falls and then you take advantage of the people like that's easier. Why would you call all these bikers in? He's been dead for 100 years. There were no cell phones. How was he able to contact all these people so fast, even if they are his friends? Even if he went to all these places with old friends, like how many friends can this man possibly have? And I know we can't get caught up on logistics like this because... It, there's no point, but the logistics are so weird in this storyline that I can't just sit idly by. 
Well, and they keep kind of bringing up the logistics. Yes, exactly. They keep referencing them. The whole people on the saline drips, that was like a mystery. That it was like, what's happening? Matt is investigating it. So we have to think about the logistics when it's an investigation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Matt says, do you know what street Doug lives on? We go over to the grill, checking on Julian and his friends. Another dud storyline we have to deal with this week. Which happens to be the A plot, apparently. Yeah, he's got a gun. There's a guy standing in front of a dirt board with an apple on his head. So, I mean, I know like a gun is more showy, but can we just use a dirt? Yeah, like, <laughs> why are we in front of the dirt board? <laughs> Julian covers his eyes. and He's like, just to make things interesting. <laughs> and then he shoots and he does hit the apple and everyone cheers. Because that's, I mean, that's fun. Like, yeah, I see why they cheered for that. They don't fuck with him, but they cheered for that. Julian says bullseye, even though the bullet does not hit the bullseye because it's above this guy's head, which is higher than the bullseye. But I know it's bullseye hit the apple. Uh, And he says, for your courage, my bold friend, how would you like to make your new home at 224 Harmony Lane? Mr. and Mrs. Leonard here have been called back to town, so they might invite you in. We've already talked about how ridiculous this is. We can't get into that again. Yeah. I'll be mad. (laughs) (laughs) Don't piss me off. Julian says, who's next? Valerie comes in. She's been gone for weeks. And you know what? At least she finally got off her fucking ass. Yeah. But then I'm like, great. She's here to kill Julian. Not yet. There's no such thing. She says, I'll give it a go. Isn't this cozy? How nice it must feel to be surrounded by degenerate yes men. How safe it must seem. None of them are reacting to that at all. Julian says, Valerie... I am struggling to comprehend you showing your face within 200 miles of me. Why are you struggling to comprehend? You're not doing shit. And even in this case, like, he doesn't even have an entourage come stand behind him. Nobody moves. Like, people aren't even getting up from their seats. And what Valerie should do is pull his heart out, but no, she doesn't do that, of course. She says, I really only wanted to give you something that was delivered to me by mistake. And it's a postcard with a red X. The same one we saw last week that Nora had. And Valerie says, it's a shame someone won't be letting you feel safe for long. And he looks freaked immediately. It's like, Julian, can you at least have a poker face? We go over to what I assume is Whitmore. Bonnie and Nora are doing a locator spell over their postcard, and it shows Cincinnati. And Bonnie says, Ohio, are you sure this isn't a prank or something? Now, this is a pretty glaring plot hole, which I'm actually surprised they got away with. We know Enzo sent these postcards so that someone would lead them to where Reyna was. But they're doing a locator mm-hmm. spell on the postcard, which leads them to where Reyna is. Well, maybe he sent them from Ohio. Oh, I guess he doesn't know where she is. Yeah, but if he was in Ohio and he knew she was there, why would he lure them there? And maybe they're doing a locator spell on something else, but it seems like they're doing it on the postcard. Maybe he somehow found an old postcard, like, and he knew it's hers, but he had to just, like, send it. Like, maybe it's a genuine postcard that she made, but he's just the one who sent it. It just seems like a weird plot hole to get away with. And I think if you're not, like, watching the episode the way I am, you you don't think that hard about it. Yeah, I didn't think that hard about it. Yeah, I only thought about it on this time. I was like, but Enzo sent that. How's the locator spell working? It doesn't matter. I guess I assumed he was being held near her, but he would be looking for her anyway. So Yeah, he says specifically that he sent the postcard so that a heretic would lead him to her. Yeah. It's not important. We're just moving the plot along. I get it. And maybe I'm missing something because usually, again, usually plot holes don't get very far on this show or I think plot holes have reasonable justifications. Yeah. This feels like pretty glaring to me. Yeah. Anyway. If you guys notice something that I'm not noticing, sound off. Let me know. 
Maybe there's something in another episode that will explain it. I doubt that. I don't I don't believe there is. But again, what do I know? Anyway, Nora says it's not a prank. A ruthless killing machine is on her way to hunt us all down. And Bonnie says, but why announce herself with a cryptic postcard? Isn't the element of surprise like a basic principle of good vampire hunting? Great question. And then in comes Mary Louise. And Mary Louise says, not for Raina Cruz. And there's a name reveal. Name reveal. Mary Louise says, Raina has a taste for taunting her victims, like a cat nibbling the legs off a spider. Is that something cats do? (laughs) Nora says, what are you doing here? Mary Louise hands her a postcard. And Nora says, oh, you got one too. What about Julian? Mary Louise says no, but that's because it was delivered to Valerie by mistake. And what about Bo, who actually has the X car? Like, anyone want to check in on him? Literally. Mary Louise says, I said we'd take care of the problem for all our sakes. Bonnie says, your vampire huntress is currently residing somewhere in Cincinnati. Mary Louise says, okay, let's get going, Nora. The sooner she's dead, the better. Bonnie says, oh, do you think I just did that locator spell for a tune-up? No, I'm going with you. Mary Louise says, we're good, thanks. And Bonnie says, nope, wasn't asking. The last thing I need is a so-called ruthless killing machine going after any of my friends. I need to protect them, and it's not like I trust either one of you to take her down. Mary Louise says, well, what makes you think we trust you? And Nora says, I trust her. She actually cares about the well-being of others, unlike you, who only cares about Julian. And Bonnie says, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call Shotgun. Yeah, Bonnie's like, I don't really need to be part of this conversation. Like, I'm going with you. It's not really a debate or anything. Yeah, I don't want to get in the way of your relationship. Let's move. We have to get to Ohio today. Yeah. We go to the grill. Julian burns the postcard and says, hey, when did you get this? Valerie says, there it is. That's the look I've been yearning to see. Why, Julian, dare I say you seem afraid. What a shame to think you just made yourself a home here and now you have to run. And Julian says, hey, Kyle, if you kill this shrew, I'll throw in the Lincoln family Buick. And Kyle's like, why the fuck not? I'll take a Buick. Like, what else do I have to do today? And this actually is one of the cases where someone actually starts to do what Julian asks them to do. They rarely ever do anything. But he's not doing it because Julian asked. He's doing it for a Buick. Yeah, he wants the Buick. He's like, I don't really care what you're telling me. So Kyle turns to, you know, go for Valerie. But he gets suddenly decapitated. And we see it was Damon who threw a menu across the restaurant, decapitated him with a menu. And it's like, okay, it's eight in the morning. We're in a mood today, huh? Killing a guy on the side of the road didn't do enough for you, huh? Damon says, well, I feel happier. And Julian says, what did I say would happen if you ever harmed one of my men again? This would be more threatening if you didn't sound like you were about to cry. And also just kill him. Also, if any of your men moved an inch toward him after this happened, literally no one moves. Like a guy just got decapitated and they're sitting there. They're like, well, they're like, hey, Buick's up for grabs, babe. They're like, yes, I can still get the Buick. <laughs> Damon says, oh, I remember what you said. Like, I think it was something about you gutting me and feeding my entrails to Stefan. Bring it on. Yeah, honestly, walk the walk, Julian. Gut him then. The second he walked in and you didn't hurt him, all the threats are useless, which Damon doesn't care because Damon's like, someone please fucking kill me. Yeah, <laughs> Which no one is doing. <laughs> we go to the hospital. Caroline is in bed. So Stefan brought Caroline to the hospital and a doctor comes out to talk to Stefan and says, "Okay, well, she's napping now, but she's okay. Her heart's a little weak, but the babies appear to be totally fine. And Stefan says, are you sure she collapsed? That's not normal. And he's saying that because like vampires really don't collapse. (laughs) But she's like, "Mm, no, it's not abnormal either. The doctor's like, don't tell me what's normal. I'm a full doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She says her blood vessels have dilated, which can lower blood pressure. You know, it's best to keep the father in the loop in situations like this. Would you like me to contact her boyfriend? 
She said, you ain't dating that girl. She said, I know it's not you. She said, she is out of your damn league. Uh, Sam says, mm, I'm her boyfriend. Uh, but yeah, the father is in Dallas for a job interview, so I'll call him. And she's like, okay, that's interesting. She said, oh, interesting. You want to share anything more about that? She said, how, how does that make you feel? He goes into the hospital room and he says, hey. And Caroline says, hey. And Stefan says, hey, you scared me for a minute. Quick question. Uh, what's this? And her hand is all gray and veiny. Caroline mm-hmm. says, um, is my hand desiccating? He's like, how would I know? I don't know. That's what it looks like. That's what I'm asking. We go back over to the grill. Damon pours himself a drink. And Julian says, you have 10 seconds left to live. Just do it. Like, <laughs> longest 10 seconds ever. Yeah, this 10 seconds lasts about five minutes. Well, and actually beyond. However many years Damon lives. Yeah. Julian says, any last words? And Damon says, last words. That's a lot of pressure. I guess if I had to, I would phrase it as a question. What's the deal with the X marks the spot postcard? Who are you running from, Big J? Julian says, well, that's not a concern of a dead man. Yeah, then kill him. Perhaps something a little more poetic. You have two seconds. Oh, two seconds. Meanwhile, it's already been like 15. So Julian breaks a pool cue in half to stake him. He preps it. Damon says, it wouldn't happen to be a sword wielding vixen that sent your ass straight to hell. Julian jumps to Damon and Damon says, oh, I hit a nerve. Hell hot of your foot. The end times are near. I mean, I'm assuming she's hot, right? Number one, uh, again, nobody is moving in the background to help Julian out. Everyone's like, he's got this. Number two, when I watch this show and I hear about a new character, I'm also assuming she's hot. I'm assuming everyone's hot. It's the CW. Especially a bitch with a sword who then taunts her victims with postcards with X's on them. Yeah, I bet she's sexy as hell. Damon laughs. And Julian says, oh, I get it. You're still in a self-destructive spiral from your not-so-fantastic voyage into the Phoenix Stone. Damon says, you think? Damon's like, obviously. Julian says, well, Lily was my touchstone, the very thing that tethered me to my sanity. And when I lost her, that's when things really went off the rails. When? Because I never saw that on this show. First of all, they've not really gone off the rails because this is so boring. But also, remember, pre-going off the rails, you were an abusive baby killer. So... So what rails were there, really? So really, the rails were not very strong as is. Yeah. Julian says, so who did you lose? Not Lily, not Stefan. Oh, who's that epic love in the box? Don't make it sound stupid. He said, well, it's a coffin. Like, Let's make it at least sound gothic and cool. Yeah, he says, Helen or Eleanor. And Damon says, Elena. Julian says, oh, how is darling Elena? And Damon says, well, I'm glad you asked. I burned her alive. Julian backs off because he's like, honestly... I don't need to kill him. This is more fun to watch him suffer. Yeah, he says, you've got enough going on. Julian says, you know, see, I can't help but feel a little bit responsible for what's happened. Yeah, I bet. You played a role in it, to be sure. Why don't we have some fun, shall we? You know I love games, and I think I have just the outlet for the overwhelming pain you must be feeling. It's the most boring outlet in the world, oldest trope in the book. We'll get, we'll get there in a second. It's not, And not even a game, by the way. Not even a game. We go out to a car... Nora is driving and she's eating chips. Bonnie is shotgun Mary Louise in the backseat. And Mary Louise says, hey, since when do you eat disgusting garbage food? And Nora says, since I stopped caring about getting that exact reaction, she and Bonnie share the chips, which really grinds Mary Louise's gears. Yeah. Well, because also, like, I'm sure from 1903, Mary Louise sees cheese puffs and she's like, that looks disgusting. That cannot be good for your body. That can't be good. And it's not good for you, but it tastes amazing. Yeah, she's got to try one. (laughs) Bonnie says, hey, I have a question. Got to ask this. If Reyna was chasing you through Europe in the 19th century, how exactly is she still alive? 
Nora says she was spelled to be a vampire huntress by shamans. They created that sword for her and imbued her with extraordinary strength. Why shouldn't they give her a very long life to go with it? Sure. Nora clearly hasn't done a lot of thinking on this subject, and this is all very vague. Do you think we're going to get a more specific explanation about why Reyna is, you know, so long living? Or do you think this is all we're going to get? I think we will, because in a couple seconds, uh, Nora refers to a term called the everlastings. Let's get to that. Nora says, hey, do you remember that reading from class last week about fragments of Native American myths? And Bonnie says the everlastings. And Nora says, ah, the everlastings. So we heard this word twice. Yeah. Are we going to learn more about the everlastings? Also, what is the everlasting? What are the everlastings? What do you think? So I also think it is worth noting the connection to phoenixes here. In what way? You know, not to get ahead of myself, we burn a body and then she comes out of it. Yeah, that's a great point. Rising from the ashes. Do you think she is literally a phoenix? I don't think literally a phoenix, but I think that's, you know, the, I mean, maybe they call it a phoenix. We also do have to mention that we've got shamans, we've got Native American myths. And leading with that a little bit, the whole like Native American approach to nature is that everything is connected. We're all like built of the same stuff. Which is a generalization, but you guys get the idea. Also, this show is not known for nuanced takes on things. Yeah, I can't imagine they're getting in the details of it, but this is like a, a nature in many Native American groups, the nature of their understanding of the natural world. And so I do think there's something you said about these everlastings and coming up from flames, living lives, coming back, that kind of idea. Even when we, you know, getting a little ahead of myself when we first see Raina as an old person, my first thought was identity theft or that like, Similar to the five that there can only be one at a time, but that they are connected and that like you need to use the old body to bring the new one forth, which is essentially what happened. So what are the everlastings? They refer to them as fragments of Native American myths. How does that relate to Reyna? Yeah, I think it's a group that can be essentially immortal or long lived in some way. And, you know, we saw pieces of this Early on in the show, when we had a couple witches who like used magic to extend their life. I think this is a specific thing because we see her very actively like burn and become a younger version of herself. So do you think Raina is an everlasting? Yes. That's what you call her? Uh, There might be another term for it, but I think that's the set we have. Do you think she's the only one or do you think there are others? I think there are others, but it's like rare. How many? Three. Less than the five. Less than the five, yeah. Do you think she's at all related to the five? Or that the Everlastings are at all related to the five? No, but I think that would make more sense if we tied it to some past lore, but no. You think this is just totally different? I think this is a different... We haven't really done shamans in the past. We've only referenced shamans once, which was the fake sun and the moon curse. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But we also, you know, I think this is an important divide because I straight up assumed... That since she was still alive, she had to be a vampire. But now we're in this magic immortality space, yeah. uh, which I think also connects us to hell, life and death, life cycles, all these kind of things that we can touch on. And I think seeing the fire thing, her coming out, Elena catching fire, we have a number of, of threads there to pull. Sure. Mary Louise says, am I meant to be impressed your study buddies at a second rate college? Kind of clocked, but Mary Louise, what have you been doing with your life? I know, you don't go to college. Bonnie says, no, but feel free to try and be civil. Otherwise, we will be more than happy to drop you off at the side of the road and you can hitch a ride back to whatever rock you've been living under. 
Nora laughs at that, and Mary Louise is pissed. We go back to the hospital where Caroline is, and Valerie looks at Caroline's desiccated hand and says, well, that's not good. Caroline says, no fucking duh. That's why we called you. Caroline's like, thanks for telling me that. Like, can you do something about it? Yeah, she says, just be witchy and fix it. And Valerie says, may I? And she siphons Caroline's belly. We can see the desiccation going away. But then, like, Valerie, like, flinches, like, as if she was hit. And Stefan says, hey, what did you just do? Valerie says, well, I didn't do anything. These babies are like, we don't fuck with you. And they're right. They're just like me. Stefan says, what do you mean? And Valerie says, I think these babies are siphons like me. I actually can't believe you didn't guess that the babies would be siphons. Well, I thought siphons were rare. So sorry about that. But I understand that. But we were doing a lot with siphons. I Because I asked, like, do you think these babies are all supernatural? And you said they're probably humans, maybe witches. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't even consider they might be siphons. I'm actually shocked. I just kind of felt that the Gemini coven wouldn't have wanted siphons. Of course they wouldn't have wanted siphons, but how could they tell? Also, all the Geminis were dying anyway. So even if they knew they were siphons, they were probably like, well, it's better than fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I just, this never once crossed my mind. I was so shocked it never crossed your mind. Not even a little bit. I really thought you'd be able to guess this, but you didn't. No. Nope. Idiot. I don't even think it's dumb that I didn't guess it because I'm like, I thought these rare fucking freaks of nature were an issue. If we've learned anything from the Vampire Diaries, nothing is ever as rare as it is introduced to be. I just think we need some more witches. Like, can we not birth some witches? Guess not now. Maybe someday someone will. Guess not this coven. We don't know what's happening on the originals. That's true. Maybe that's a witch down there. Maybe. (laughs) You don't think so, though. Not to get us into the originals. Not to get us into the originals. And this isn't like, I don't think I actually saw any evidence of this. So I don't know why I think this. But I think that little bitch's eyes glow. Which one? The baby of Haley and Klaus? Who you think is going to be named Hope? Who I think is named Hope. Yes. (laughs) I think her eyes glow for some reason. Okay. So that could be witch. That could be werewolf. That could be some other thing. Have we ever seen a witch's eyes glow? No, but maybe she's a magic witch. I don't know. Aren't all witches magic? Well, maybe she's an extra magic witch. Aren't all siphons magic? Yeah, but siphons eyes don't glow. But their hands do. Yeah, but you didn't say her hands glowed. You said her eyes glowed. I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm a, just that much is clear. Things. That much is clear. I'm just making guesses. You still think her name is Hope. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Try to convince me otherwise. Anyway, Valerie says, yeah, I'm afraid these babies are feeding off your blood as in they're literally siphoning the vampire magic out of your body. So in my mind, I'm like, time for a C-section. But no, they just hang out here. And you also wanted her to call Klaus. I did. She didn't. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. We go over to a mental hospital, which Bonnie calls a nuthouse for the criminally insane. She says it seems promising. So it seems to be like a psychiatric criminal facility. Yes. Mary Louise says, well, you know, she is a deranged serial vampire killer. Maybe karma caught up with her. And the nurse, there's a nurse there who says like, uh, I need to see your IDs. Yeah, you can't just come in here. <laughs> Nora compels her and says, yeah, we're authorized personnel. We're here to see Raina Cruz. Tell us where to find her. And the nurse says, oh, yeah, Raina Cruz, room 658 North Wing. Nora grabs a couple of visitor badges. They go. And Bonnie says, hey, so just got to ask before we meet this woman, do we have a plan here? Didn't, didn't talk about that in the car. They never do. Mary Louise says, find her, kill her. You'll probably just watch. Nora says, you know, don't be so cavalier. You know what she's capable of. They look in the room and there is an old lady just laying there. And Nora says, okay. 
And Bonnie says, this is your vicious, terrifying, big, bad huntress. Got it. We go behind the grill. Back to this dud of a plot, the A plot. And there's like a fight club set up back there. I mean, could A, Julian be any more basic? And B, could this trope be any more tired? This is just like, okay, I see exactly what we're fucking doing here. You can see like the whole sketch of the plot. It's like we're doing a fight club plot. It's so boring. At least Stefan went and like started a bar fight and like added some color to it. It Just the scene of it is like every fight club scene you've ever seen before. There's nothing new. There's nothing interesting. Even on this show, because we did do like a fight club scene like this when they met Sage in 1912. This isn't even new for this show. Like, at least in 1912, that made sense because they didn't have, like, cable. But, like, what are all these people doing here? I guess they still haven't gotten their houses assigned. They're fighting for houses. Julian says, I set up some spurring matches with the new residents of Mystic Falls. I thought it'd be fun to dole out the houses and their owners to the winners. And the losers die, sadly. Again, why are all these people signing up for this? There's enough houses for all of them. This is not life or death. If I'm a vampire, this seems like way too much work for a house in small town Virginia. Yes, I'm not willing to die. I can walk into a bank and get a mortgage free of charge through compulsion. Why would I be doing it this way? I don't need to do this. I get, I have a leather jacket. I'm tough. I have a red solo cup. I have my trash can fire. I'm still walking into a bank. It doesn't matter what I look like. I have compulsion. I'll put on a suit if if I must. (laughs) And the crowd is cheering because there's a fight going on. There's a lady passing out shots. Her boobs are pushed up to her chin and she is trying to chew up her on camera screen time. So like clearly we're going to be dealing with her. When she's got like a triangle shaped necklace pointing to the boobs. It's like, okay, girl, we see. And she hands out shots and it looks like the shots might be of blood, but they also might be of bourbon. It's hard to tell. There might be some of both. Anyway, uh, Damon takes a shot, walks to the stage. He's like mesmerized like he's never seen a fucking fight club before. He has. There's no way Damon's not been in a fight club before, straight up. Julian says, you know, it's been my experience over centuries that the only true remedy for extreme mental anguish is raw physical brutality. And one guy on stage kills the other guy and like squeezes the heart. It's like, okay, we got it. Which is crazy because Julian acts like he's never been punched in the face once in his life. Yeah, he could use to be in the ring. It's interesting because he's organizing this ring and he's barely fighting. And even the one fight that he tries, he's not mad that it ends. That's why none of these people respect him. Julian says, you know, you really want to feel pain, Damon? Get in there. And then we get a look at the stage and I am sorry, I laughed so hard because there's like an old straw broom that's sweeping the blood. Could no one find a mop in this restaurant? It's like soaked with blood up to the top it's like that's not sweeping anything anymore those are made for like hair and dust that's not what it's used for you can't sweep liquid with that you need like one of the long ones if you must use a broom we go over to doug's house in mystic falls Mm -hmm. matt gets out of his car he goes to the door he knocks uh but the door opens right up and it's dark so that's not a good sign matt says hey anybody home there are candles burning matt says oh doug are you at home Takes his gun out and he's like, you know, doing the thing that cops do. And then he sees the TV is on. But of course, there's a dead guy in front of it. We can assume that's Doug. Yeah. So he didn't last very long. Sorry, Doug. Hope you enjoyed your first night back at home. He was just trying to watch a little TV. Yeah, he was just like, thank God I'm back home. I get to be on my own couch. And oh, I'm dead. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Gone nuts. (laughs) Matt hears a sound. He turns around with his gun and Penny's there. Also pointing her gun at him. 
Yeah, classic cops. He says, what are you doing here? And she says, what does it look like? I followed you. You didn't have to follow him. You gave him the address. You know where it is. She says, put the gun down. And he says, no, actually, you need to leave right now. He's like, I'm literally a cop in this town and you're not in your jurisdiction. So if anyone's putting their gun down, it's you. She says, tell me what's going on first. And then a vampire appears behind Matt. Penny's classic cop. She doesn't ask any questions. She just shoots him in the chest. Also, this vampire is walking around breathing heavy like a zombie. And why isn't he vampire running? Yeah, you just ate. Like, what exactly is slowing you down, Baldy? <laughs> Literally. Because uh, I was like, he was breathing so hard. I was like, oh, it's like the walking dead. But I was like, that's not his thing. He's a vampire. So Penny shoots him. It doesn't, and nobody moves because it's metal. And yeah. then Matt shoots him straight in the heart. Good aim, Matt. And he dies. And Matt says, okay, well, so here's the secret. Wooden bullets. You know, if you're going to wear a uniform in Mystic Falls, you need wooden bullets. And she looks confused. And Penny's like, okay, I just thought I missed. Also, I realized I should have asked questions before I just shot the guy. But Matt's like, no, you were right. We go over to Caroline's hospital room. And Valerie gives Caroline a bracelet and says, so this is a talisman. It's bubbled with magic. I'm hoping the babies will pull from it instead of you. Caroline says, yeah, and if they don't, they still have to bake in there a little longer. And I haven't even done the thank you notes from the baby shower yet. Valerie says, if it doesn't work, I'll find something stronger. I'm not going to let anything bad happen. I promise. Me when I lie. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Va- Valerie, how talented do you think you are at literally anything? I, I, I mean, don't know what control you think you have over this situation. I mean, she is talented. She's a good witch, obviously. But this is a situation none of them have dealt with before. Yeah. So they shouldn't have left her without supervision. I know she asks them to, and we'll get to that later. You all should be keeping a close eye on her. Well, and they wouldn't have to leave her without supervision if they had killed Julian weeks ago. Because they also could have compelled a nurse, said, hey, sit with her. If anything happens, call one of us. Yes. If you see her skin looking gray and veiny, give us a call. But no. Caroline says, thank you. Valerie says, my pleasure. Caroline says, no, really, you know, we're not meant to like each other, you and I. It's because Valerie's been a bitch to you. Yep, that's because Valerie's trying to steal your boyfriend. Caroline says, which makes what you're doing all that much nicer. So thank you. It's kind of the bare minimum she can do, I think. It's very nice of Caroline to be appreciative, but Caroline got kidnapped by Valerie and tortured by Valerie and Valerie wants to steal her boyfriend. So Caroline's been nothing but nice to Valerie. And also like, this isn't my coven. I don't want these babies dead, but like, if you guys want to help this, you're going to have to be around. Yeah. Stefan comes to the window and Valerie says, oh, I'll be right back. And so she goes out to talk to Stefan. I don't know why we can't do this in the room. Stefan gives Valerie a coffee and says, you know, the doctor asked her to stay for observation. And Valerie says, well, the desiccation hasn't come back. I think the babies have been siphoning very slowly for a long time. She just didn't realize it. You know, try not to worry. It doesn't do any good. Yeah, don't worry. The desiccation hasn't come back in the 15 seconds since I put the bracelet on. We're out of the woods. Also, don't bring her anything to drink. Yeah. (laughs) Valerie says, oh, also, have you talked to your brother today? And Stefan says, actually, he hasn't been returning my calls. Why? Have you talked to him? Because you've been gone for weeks. (laughs) And she says, oh, I saw him earlier at the grill. He seemed very intent on getting under Julian's skin. Actually, now that it's coming back to me, he made quite a show of decapitating one of his men. And Stefan's like, that's big news. Yeah, Stefan seems like, that sounds bad. So Stefan says, why would he do that? Julian warned us to stay away from his friends. Mallory says, don't worry, nobody moved. (laughs) I said, don't worry, 
empty threats all around. No one reacted. <laughs> no one likes that guy, apparently. Valerie says, yeah, it seemed like he had a bit of a death wish. And then speaking of the death wish, we go to check on the fight club. It is giving death wish. It very much is. Damon is fighting the guy who won the fight earlier. The shot girl is watching. And then Damon kills the guy. And Julian says, hey, feeling better yet? And Damon says, what else you got? We go back to the mental hospital. Raina is talking to the girls. And Raina says, I'm so sorry. What did you say your names were again? Bonnie says, I'm Bonnie. She's Nora. That's Mary Louise. And you're Raina, right? And Raina says, that sounds right. Maybe. I guess. I'm so old. <laughs> Nora says, we don't look familiar to you. And Raina says, should you? That's not a no. <laughs> Mary Louise says, yeah, considering you're a murderous vampire hunting bitch who chased us across Europe for decades. Yeah, we should look familiar. Mary Louise is not playing. She said, I don't trust you, old lady. She's like, I don't care how old this bitch is. And Mary Louise is right at the end of the day. Yeah. She says, you sent one of these postcards to all of us. Ring a bell. And Raina's like, actually, that doesn't ring a bell. That's interesting. She's like, actually, that one I don't know. Raina says, I'm afraid I don't know what any of that means. You wouldn't happen to have a cookie, would you? They only feed me through a tube these days. And they're like, okay, bitch. <laughs> they're like, okay, we get it. You're old. They step outside of the room. And Nora says, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And Mary Louise says, yeah, we should stop stalling and slit her throat. And look, at this point, I was also like, this probably isn't her. My thought was that, like, Raina is nearby and is Watching. using this old woman to lure them and get them. So I was like, let's be careful. But, you know, this woman's old. At this point, it appears she's out of it. Let's smother her or put something in her IV bag. Like, we really don't need her alive. Because best case scenario, she's bait. Yeah, I don't think we need to slit her throat. But I think if we, like, kick the plug out of her life support machine, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I think we'll survive. Not to sound like an absolutely evil bitch to kill an old woman, but the locator spell led you to this specific woman and name for a reason. Well, it led them to this hospital, not this room. Well, it led them to this hospital, but you know this person is the name you were looking for. And you can trust Mary Louise having the right name. So best case, this is a trap. At the very least, assume this is bait. And maybe you don't kill her, but do keep your wits about you. Yeah. Bonnie says, no, we're thinking this couldn't possibly be the woman we're looking for. She couldn't send a postcard, let alone kill a vampire. You're too trusting, Bonnie. She could send a postcard. There are all sorts of aids in a hospital like this. Mary Louise says, yeah, we don't know any of that for sure. So why should we risk it? And Mary Louise, she's got the right attitude here. Yeah. Bonnie says, yeah, I'm not letting you kill an old woman whose only cold-blooded, ruthless mission is to eat a ginger snap. To be fair, she's in a, like, psychiatric hospital for criminals, so she's probably not an amazing person. And she's lived a full life. She might not be, like, totally threatening to you right now, but you have to assume there's some kind of threat here. Yeah. Nora says, Bonnie's right. And Mary Louise says, of course she is. Bonnie's right about everything. She's perfect. And Bonnie says, okay. Bonnie says, okay, anyway. Nora says, we'll keep looking. She's probably here under another name. And Mary Lou says, I'll keep looking. You stay here and bat your eyes. And then Nora goes to look at Raina and Bonnie says, go help Mary Louise. And Nora says, why? She's being surly. And Bonnie says, yeah, isn't that the point? Nora says, point of what? And Bonnie says, you're using me to make her jealous. It's working. I'm tired of being in the middle of it. Just go help her look for her. Bonnie says, don't act like I'm stupid. Can you just leave me alone? We go back to the fight club. Dud plotline, dud plotline. Dud alert. Dud alert. Damon has a new opponent. His name is Samson and he's huge. 
I'm not fighting anybody named Samson. If you if I'm in a fight club and someone said your next opponent is Samson, I'd be like, I'm out. And then I turn around and I see this fella. Oh, I'm way out. Yeah, goodbye. I don't even want him to see my face. That's enough fight club for now. No, we're done. And the crowd loves Samson. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got pizzazz. Julian says Sam here has never lost a fight. Perhaps the pain he inflicts will finally feel like atonement. Uh, Julian is just so lazy. Like this is his own fight club. And to this point, we haven't seen him fight. Mm-hmm. He just sends his his favorites in. Yeah, he's like, oh, no one's ever beat Samson. And I don't try, but it's not because I'm scared. I just have to run the operation. Yeah, it would be too biased if I hopped in. So Sam starts the fight by slapping Damon. And slapping him hard. Yeah. To start a fight club fight with a slap. That's kind of serve. He kind of got him there. It's pretty clear. I mean, Damon holds his own against Samson for quite some time. Not quite some time, but longer than I would expect. But then Samson eventually does overpower him and like grab him by the neck. And everyone in the audience is like, yeah, rip his head off. And then someone tosses a stake on the stage. And mind you, it's there for a good 10 seconds. Nobody's moving. Yeah, no one's like, hey, get the weapon off the stage. Yeah. So Damon picks up the stake and stakes Sam, killing him. And there's like shock. The cr- a hush falls over the crowd. Again, the stake was on the stage. What did you think he was going to do with it? Also, like everybody's been dying all night. Why was this one like the last straw for you? I guess because it's but not Samson. really the He's last a- straw because again, no one moved. <laughs> Literally no one moved. Samson's like the Tom Brady, I think. They're- He's like their oh, hometown hero. The goat. Their goat, if you will. As it, w- as it were. So it's shocking to see this new guy, this rookie. This is like in Friday Night Bites when Stefan catches Tyler's football. Yes. It's just a whole nother pony. Exactly. And Julian shouts, no weapons. Again, you saw the stake. Why didn't you say that before you used it? Also, it's like an underground legal fight club. Like you can't really have that many regulations. Uh, again, because like, no one respects gonna you. People are going to cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Julian sh- says, those are the rules. And then he says, okay, Damon, I think we're done here. That was the last straw. <laughs> Damon says, no, I want to go again. And Julian says, I'm afraid I've grown bored of this game. Now that they broke one of his fake rules. Yeah. Damon says, oh, who's next? Hey, who's next? No one moves again because these yeah. people never fucking move. No one cares. It's like he might as well have used the same people he compelled for the party because they're all just sitting there like they're attached to Ivy's anyway. Julian says, OK, I'm next. If you want to fight again, you fight me next. And everyone cheers. Like, yeah, kill that dude. We don't fuck with him at all. Yeah. <laughs> and Stefan comes in. And he says, hey, Damon, what the hell is going on? Well, Stefan, it's pretty obvious. It's a pretty tired Fight Club storyline. Stefan's like, Damon, what the fuck? You're bringing the show down, buddy. Why are we in this situation? We couldn't come up with anything better. He's like, Damon, I'm in the C plot right now, and it's not a dud. Why is the A plot a dud? (laughs) Damon says, you made a wrong turn, bro. This isn't some hell survivor support group. Yeah, so much more trite than that. Well, And it kind of seems like that's how you're treating it, though. Yeah. Julian says, hey. Are you in or are you out? Okay, Heidi Klum. (laughs) Um, And Stefan's looking at him like, what are you going to say? Make the decision for him, Stefan. Snap his neck, drag him out. It's not necessary. Stefan says, hey, like, don't get in that ring. Leave with me right now. Whatever's going on, we're going to figure it out. And Julian says again, are you in or are you out? And Damon says, I'm in. And he goes, yawn. We go back up to the hospital. Valerie comes in to Caroline's room and says, I thought you might like some table reading material and some real food. Tabloids and a bottle of blood. Serve. Yeah, thanks for doing something. Seeing as you're eating for three, Jello won't cut it. Caroline says, oh, where's Stefan? And Valerie says, oh, he had to step out for a bit. And Caroline says, step out where? Don't be a fucking bitch. 
She said, no, you're going to give me all the information. And Valerie says, oh, well, he went to Mystic Falls. You know, Damon's gotten himself into some trouble with Julian. And Caroline says, what? And Valerie says, no, I told him he didn't have to worry that I would stay here and look after you. And Caroline says, yeah, of course you did. God, if you hate Julian so much, can't you just go kill him yourself? Thank you, Caroline. You're always right. She's always my bitch. We've been saying. She's like, can you get off your fucking ass? Yeah, you've been gone for three weeks and now you chose, of course, you volunteered to sit in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> and Valerie says, no, it's it's not about that. And Caroline says, you want Stefan to defend your honor by killing Julian so he can prove he still cares about you. Clocked her severely. Yeah, got her bad. Valerie says, no, of course not. I just, and she can't explain it because that's exactly what she wants to fucking happen. Caroline's like, I've been quiet because frankly, I've got my own shit to deal with and you really don't do anything. But like someone has to call you out for this shit. But like I'm like eight months pregnant. I don't have time to play around anymore. Okay. Yeah. Caroline says you just have to go make sure Stefan's okay. I'm serious. I don't want you here with me. I want you there with him. I feel fine. Just go. And Valerie does go because Caroline does seem fine. She asks her to go. But again, we could watch her a little better considering you don't know exactly what's happening with these babies. Yeah. And like Valerie should absolutely go and help this. But you know. Let's set up some other form of supervision on the way out because, again, it's quick. It's compulsion. Yeah. We go back to the fight club. Damon and Julian take some shots from the shot girl. And Stefan says, hey, what are you doing? This guy has 300 years on you. Then just pulls her out now before they get on the stage. I- and, and also, 100 of those years he was in hell. So they've killed older vampires. They did famously stake Elijah who's like a thousand years old. And sure, that didn't take because he was an original, but they've killed older vampires than this. Again, Julian's just not a threatening villain in any sense of the word. I'm so happy he's dead. Yeah. Damon says, then it should be a good fight. And Stefan says, that stone is still messing with your head, Damon. Let me help you get through it. And Damon says, yeah, there's nothing to get through. This is what I deserve. And Stefan says, what do you mean deserve? And Damon says, if you don't back off, bro, I will destroy you like I've destroyed everything good I've ever touched. And Stefan says, okay, obviously something happened to you. So tell me what it is. Stefan's like, that's clearly a cry for help. Yeah. Julian says, will someone please escort Stefan off the premises? And Stefan says, you know, I'm not just going to walk away and let you fight this guy to the death. Damon says, doesn't look like you have much say in the matter. Because at this point, someone actually has moved to take Stefan away from the premises. It's two of them. Two people finally moved. Two people moved. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was just, they were like, sure, this is an easy enough job. I'm like, I'm heading out there for a smoke anyway. Yeah, might as well take him out with me. As though they can't smoke in the illegal fight club. I know. <laughs> <laughs> joke play, joke play. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan is being dragged away and he says, don't do this, Damon. And Damon says, Godspeed, brother. And he goes on to the stage. It's like, okay, drama. Like, Yawn, I'm like so bored. <laughs> like, Damon, pull it together. Like, I need you to do something interesting. This is so basic. <laughs> it's just, it's just boring. And this is, again, this is a problem with the show without Elena is like, this is kind of classic Damon that he does stuff to suffer, but it's just so boring at this point. Aren't we past this? Yeah, because we did all that character growth to get past it. And I also, like, I don't really like the implication that like, if Elena's not watching him, he'll just fall into this shit. Because like, He also grew as a person by loving Elena. Well, and that was the whole point is that Elena brought out these characteristics of him that were there, but he hid to protect himself. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense that he'd immediately revert. I get that the Phoenix Stone is doing a lot of that for him. It does sit like 
icky that we're really, and we do this a lot through this episode, we're reverting to season one Damon. And to what end? I don't think the growth Damon's had would allow it to go, get to this point. It'd be one thing if he like went to go fight Julian because he's the reason he ended up in the Phoenix Stone. Like that would at least, like at least it's targeted and like you supported my mom being evil. My mom put Elena away. At least I could follow that thought process. Yeah. But I think they they are trying to make it so Damon is not like always talking about Elena. But like the character of Damon would be fucking doing that. Yeah. So it's it's just like they're losing it a little bit. I mean, they've been losing it, but this episode is really clear because it's it's like, oh, we're just going back to season one, Damon. Because look, he's he's a bad person without Elena. It's like that was the whole lesson he had to learn wasn't true. Yeah, was that it wasn't just Elena making him a good person. It was Elena giving him a reason to be a good person. But in that relationship, he also made better friends with Rick and Enzo and Stefan and Bonnie. And because of that, he became a more selfless person. Yeah. And Elena being there doesn't take that away, but they don't really know what to do with Damon because they also, I think, and this is a problem they ran into is that the fans shipped Elena so bad that even yeah. with Nina Dobrev gone, like we can't not reference Delena. Yeah. And I think it is, it's this issue that I'm sure they're having in these later seasons because later seasons are going to be worse. Yeah. They always are. And you kind of have to lean into them being a, a different thing a little bit like the OC, like Heart of Dixie. Like you kind of have to lean into the silliness of it. But this, they're like, okay, we just have to go back to what works. And it's like, but it's not working because we grew out of those things for a reason. Well, and I think particularly when we go back to these season one tropes, what I think is so interesting about season one, and you know, I've watched it having watched the whole show now, but to go back and rewatch, like the stakes in season one are really low because it's starting the show and we have to ease into it. But so when you go back to season one, it feels like a much slower moving show because it has to be. And that was in the service of the show. But when we go back to something that is essentially tomb vampire-esque, it feels so much more low stakes than it did in season one. Yeah. Because it's like, why can't you guys just take care of this? Yeah. That's the thing is like all these things that Damon's doing, it's like, you're better than this. You're past this. Why are we doing this again? I've watched you go past this. I know you don't do this. And I know you're affected by hell. It's not to say that like the storyline of like this mental anguish could not be interesting. Yeah. But they have to do something different with it. Mm -hmm. He can't just, and even I don't mind a callback to him sitting in the road. Yes. But maybe it's like he's sitting in the road and then he's like, he ends up in this talking situation and he like starts feeling bad about this or some other like way to, to turn that, like, let's flip it on its head. On its head, yeah. I think it's just that they're trying to pull out the Stefan Damon stuff again. So they're like, okay, let's just do the stuff we did before. And this is also, I don't personally have a beef with them doing another Hunter storyline because yeah. I find Hunters, like, uh, you know, it's an easy storyline to engage with and you can still have an interesting Hunter. And we've also done repeat Hunter storylines in the past because we mm -hmm. had, Alaric was a Hunter when he first showed up. And then mm -hmm. we have Michael and then we have... Honor, and then we have the five. Like, we've seen variations of hunters that are all interesting in different ways. Yeah. So we know we can do a different interesting hunter. My my one beef that I will say about the hunter storyline. So we cut Jeremy because you didn't want to do another hunter storyline, and then you did one anyway. There's a different hunter. It's a different hunter. I get it, but I just had to say it. But I think the problem is, is that you would think by season seven they would learn... Like, the Tomb Vampires had their own issues, but that was season one. And then there's the Travelers. I don't understand how after you do the Tomb Vampires and the Travelers that we're not doing 
singular villains because you see the success of Kai post travelers. Yeah. I get that they want to like mix it up, but it's hard after they really just, cause you know, after we deal with the travelers, it's like, okay, we're, we're probably past the point of iconic villains. And then they bring Kai in and knock it out of the park like that. And then we go yeah. to Julian with flash. Like, because season five was a mess at the end and that's fine. Yeah. Things can be a mess. But then we get to season six and they get it back. And it's like, okay, so you made a couple mistakes, but you learned from them. And then they come into this season and it's like they forget everything they learned. And I think some of it is the lack of Elena, but that's not all of it. I, I think the lack of Elena pushes them in a number of directions that they didn't know where they were going. But I think it's also the situation where they'd originally mapped out, I'm sure, like a general structure with Elena in it. Mm-hmm. And so now they're like, we have to find a different villain. And I think they're always thinking about raising the stakes. And I think there's also this added pressure of keeping these characters and like keeping like, I, I think they had to go back to the drawing board and think like, what made people like Stefan? What made people like Damon? What da 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 da? Like, yeah. how do we find those characteristics and build those out? And I think they went back to like the things that made us ship Damon with Elena because that was the thing people, the things people liked. But unfortunately, those are hard to do if there's not someone to ship with that. And that's the other problem is that, and we'll get into this more later on, but the thing is, I know the Damon Bonnie shippers out there are already thinking this. There is someone we can ship Damon with. Yeah. And it is Bonnie. And they grow that relationship, but they are too wimpy to move too far from Delena because they know the fans love Delena so much. They want to do all the things that worked for season one Damon without the love story because they think people will turn on Damon if he cheats on Elena. Of course, we're going to have him cheat on Elena with a rando. So that's better than him hooking up with Bonnie, I guess. Whatever. And at least, like, I I don't personally want him to kiss Bonnie, but, like, that friendship is so rich and so fun, and they're kind of, like, putting it in the back burner right now because, like, Bonnie's doing this other stuff, but, like, this is the kind of storyline that Bonnie, Alaric, and Damon would work together on. I know Alaric's like prepping for the babies or whatever, but it's just like you're losing these character connections that you started the season with, that you just didn't put put any energy into. They're trying really hard to push the Steph and Damon relationship, which I honestly think we don't need pushing. It's meaty. We don't yeah. need more of it. What we need is to build out the relationships outside of this because we already have the Damon and Stefan relationship clear because of the years of the love triangle. And now the point of that love triangle is gone. So we need to branch out. more. Yeah. I feel like a lot of our recent episodes are just talking about all the ways season seven doesn't work. So sorry, guys, but we've got shit to say. But it it comes up in new ways every episode. Magic of TV. We go back to the mental hospital. Bonnie goes to Raina's room. She got a cookie. Idiot. Don't bring this bitch a cookie. Like, no. Because best case scenario, she said she's eating from a tube. She could choke on this. Yeah, best case scenario, you kill an innocent old lady. Yeah. Or she's diabetic. Like, (laughs) don't bring her a cookie. Don't you think there's a reason the doctors aren't giving her cookies? Yeah. Like, I think even in a psychiatric hospital, she's restrained to the bed. I think they would allow her a cookie if she were allowed cookies. Yes. Bonnie says, hard to believe they don't have vending machines in high security psychiatric prisons, but I managed to snag you an oatmeal cookie from someone else's meal tray. And Raina says, you fool. (laughs) What was your name again? (laughs) And Bonnie says, Bonnie. And Raina says, you seem like a nice girl, Bonnie. What's a nice girl like you doing with two deviant vampires? And it's like, oh, okay. You were who we thought. Bonnie says, oh, so you are the huntress. And Raina says, I don't think you can really call me that anymore. 
Now I'm just an old woman in a dingy room waiting to die. And Bonnie says, how'd you end up here? And Raina says, well, I was careless. The drive to kill, the drive instilled upon me by the shamans, got a little scrambled in my old age, and I staked a checkout girl at the supermarket. My mistake. I, I killed one innocent girl. Honest mistake. <laughs> Raina says, could you help me with the cookie, please? Now, at this point, Bonnie, you should say, actually, now that I know you're the huntress, no. Actually, no. This cookie was for an innocent old lady. But Bonnie is too nice, so she holds the cookie out. And leans in, too. No, throw the cookie at her. I'm sorry. And so, of course, Raina grabs the badge around Bonnie's neck and chokes her. And Bonnie says, Modus. Raina says, actually, no, I'm afraid your magic won't work on me. Now untie my hands before I crush your windpipe to dust. And then Raina looks over to the side. Someone else has walked in. We don't see who at first. And Raina says, who the hell are you? And we look to see who it is. It's Enzo. Everybody moved. Everybody clapped. This was like the the highlight of the episode to me, obviously. I was like, oh, thank the Lord. We needed him. Because not only is he there saving Bonnie, my couple, but also he's not in a fucking cage. Yeah. Win. (laughs) Win of the week. Enzo throws a knife into Raina's neck and he goes to Bonnie, checks on her, looks at her neck and says, hey, are you all right? And Bonnie says, I'm fine. What are you doing here? And he says, it's a long story, love. Let's just say for today, I'm your guardian angel. And I'm like, kiss. And after the highest of highs in this scene, seeing Enzo return, back to the dud fight club storyline. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! This again. It's like, well, at least I got a little Enzo peek before I have to watch this again. Yeah, Damon and Julian are fighting. People are cheering. And Julian says, you know, I never had a brother. No siblings at all, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I figured. Yeah, we can tell. That's abundantly clear with you. (laughs) And Julian says, seemed I, seems I dodged a bullet there. And Damon says, oh, that makes sense. You were a lonely little tadpole. That's why you need to surround yourself with low-life degenerate bloodsuckers like these. There's more fighting, and Damon is uh, fading pretty fast. This is third fight. I mean, he's tired. Yeah. Julian says, well, at least I have friends. You've driven away every last soul who ever cared for you. Number one, has he, though? Because Stefan was just here earlier. But number two, Damon... I know this is, you're here for physical pain. You could easily knock Julian down a peg by showing him that these people don't give a fuck about him because no one's moving. Well, yeah, because Julian, they're cheering. They're not only cheering when you get a punch in, they're cheering when you get hit too. No one's chanting Julian, Julian. But you know what they were chanting? Samson, Samson. They like Samson more than you. Literally. And they probably resent you because you got Samson killed. Yeah. Anyway. Damon says, I guess I just have to cuddle up next to the fire with all my rage. Julian punches Damon a bunch. Mm-hmm. And Damon looks around in the crowd. And Julian laughs and says, you're not really looking for your brother, are you? He was. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> Julian says, I mean, even if Stefan did come back, what do you think he would do when he found out what you did to Elena? And Damon says, okay, well, go ahead, rip my heart out. Damon's like, well, now that you mentioned that, I'm going to die, please. Julian says, it's not that I wouldn't love to do it, but are you sure? What's anyone just kill each other anymore? What do you mean, are you sure? You have threatened to kill these boys so many times. You almost killed him in front of his mom like two weeks ago. And now you're like, you sure you want me to rip your heart out? What? Do it. Damon says, do it. (laughs) Julian gets ready and people are cheering. Again, not chanting Julian. They just want someone to win. So this will be over so they can go home. Yeah, they're just excited to watch someone die again. 
Yeah. And then Julian gets the little aneurysm spell cast on him. So he, um, you know, doesn't pull out Damon's heart. And then Stefan and Valerie appear because naturally they were in Visequade. Yeah. Stefan punches Julian. Does, but like no one takes this time in Visequade to pull out his heart. But whatever. Well, now they're not in Visequade. Now they're sure. Again, they're like, oh, the people will like revolt if we kill Julian. Again, no one's moving. No one's stopping Stefan and Valerie from being here, by the way. They just let them do this. If a weapon was cheating, two other people on stage is certainly cheating. And no one is reacting. (laughs) And Julian is clearly, like, suffering. No one's moving. No one's helping. They don't care about him. And Valerie is in the crowd. Someone could snap her neck. She's not away from them. Yeah, they don't care. So Stefan goes to Damon, and then they chat. Like, again, someone could kill them. (laughs) Stefan says... Listen, if you let Julian rip your heart out, I will kill him. And every single person here will instantly rip my head off. They're like, no, we won't. No, Damon's like, I don't really think they will. They don't seem to care. Like, why wouldn't they do it now? No one's moving. Stefan says, but you don't care, do you? Your life doesn't matter and neither does mine, does it? And then he says, come on, brother. And Damon grabs his hand. Stefan helps Damon up. And everyone's booing, but no one's interfering. Yeah, the most they're doing is booing. Like, oh, this sucks. The two guys are like, oh, we kicked that guy out. That's weird that he got back in. Oh, well. Anyway. Valerie releases Julian from the spell. Why don't we vampire run away before we release Julian? But again, it doesn't matter because no one moves. And then Julian gets up as they're leaving, slowly. And Julian says, if they come back, kill them. Just do it now. Just say kill them before they leave. Like, you said you were going to kill them the next time they showed up. They've been here all day. Yeah. And now it's if they come back, kill them. They already came back. He is such a loser. We go back over to the mental hospital. Bonnie is recovering, talking to Enzo. And Bonnie says, where you been? You just fell off the face of the earth. Thank you for noticing. At least you were aware. It seemed like no one cared. Enzo says, you missed me. That warms my heart. And Bonnie says, uh, I didn't miss you. I'm curious to your recent whereabouts. There's a difference. Close enough. It's close enough. He says, still counts. Said, I'll take it. Enzo says, oh, Matt didn't tell you? I thought he'd be crowing all over town. He called in some shadowy organization to hunt me down and cage me up. Another reference to this organization we still know nothing about. Bonnie says, Matt did that? And Enzo says, yeah, it didn't turn out the way he'd expected. Guarantee you that. That's an interesting thing because it seems like Matt thought he was going to be in a cage. But that doesn't seem to be what happened with Enzo. What do you read into that, if anything? Enzo got out. Or he convinced these people that maybe these people work for Reyna. I'm I'm connecting them all together, of course. So maybe he was like, hey, I bet I can get us Raina back if you guys let me out of my cage. Mm-hmm. I have a plan. Why do you think this organization trusts him? They're desperate to get Raina back. He's just kind of random. It doesn't matter. But if he says, because, you know, one of the, and so he's in a cage, but he can chit chat. Yeah. And so if they're talking about like, yeah, we were working for this Huntress, but we don't know where she is. Like, or like she's hurt. We have to get her back and we can bring her back to like her full glory or something. It wouldn't be that big of a leap that at some point they showed that she had tracked down the heretics and was chasing them. And he'd be like, interesting enough, I know those guys. And I think I can get them to come here. One thing about Enzo, he's crafty. He's weaselly. He was stuck in Augustine for a long time because they there was no manipulating his way out of that because they wanted a test subject. But every other time he's in a cage, he's gotten himself out. Even in Augustine, like, he got Maggie to fall in love with him. He compelled her to leave. Yeah, because he didn't want to hurt her because he's just a sweetie deep down. Yeah. But like a team of vampire hunters 
I know he can play them like a fiddle. Assuming that's what this organization is. Yeah, assuming. Enzo says, okay, look, we've got to get this body out of here before someone notices, so a bit of cloaking would probably be helpful. Bonnie goes to get Nora and Mary Louise to help her cloak. And Nora says, oh, are you all right? And Bonnie says, yeah, fine, considering I was almost strangled to death by an 80-year-old psychopath. Did you know the Huntress was immune to magic? And Nora says, no, I really had no idea, I swear. They return to the room. Raina's body is gone, and Enzo is also gone. And Bonnie says, that lying little weasel. And at first I was like, she got up. She's not dead. And I was like, oh, Enzo's gone too. I was like, okay, he had a plan. <laughs> we go back to Mystic Falls. It's like on the street somewhere. And Damon is walking away from Stefan. And Stefan says, hey, where are you going? Damon says, nowhere in particular. I don't have a destination. Stefan says, so you don't have anything to say about what happened back there. The tired old fight club. And Damon says, you're right, Stefan. Giving Julian the satisfaction of ripping my heart out would have been a mistake. Thanks for the intervention. And Stefan says, that's it. And Damon says, that is it. And Stefan says, you're just going to walk away. Flip your switch. And Damon says, no, I'm not going to flip my switch. I want to feel pain. I want to feel every miserable moment of this miserable life. Starting to sound like Stefan a bit. Stefan says, hey, what is this about? What did you do? Damon says, okay, straight up, I killed her. I killed Elena. Stefan's like, well, she was already in a coffin. So how did you manage that? Yeah, Stefan says, what do you mean you killed Elena? Damon says, it was all Henry's idea. Mind you, Stefan doesn't know who the fuck Henry is. He's like, who the fuck is Henry? <laughs> so he can assume it's a hallucination. Damon says, told me he needed to free my true self. So I kidnapped Tyler and made him take me to her coffin. And then I burned her to ashes. So go ahead. Stand by me. Tell me you'll never walk away. Go ahead, Stefan. Come on, do it. So Stefan hits Damon and then walks away. <laughs> Which is, is a fair reaction to this. Yes. Now, again, Stefan's first reaction should be to call Tyler and be like, hey, why the fuck did you take him to Elena? Well, yeah, because even in this story, Damon's like, I kidnapped Tyler. You didn't really kidnap him. He did bring you there. But yeah, yeah, call Tyler and see what the situation is. And then we'll see if he's alive also. That's a bonus. Yeah. Well, he's a werewolf. He can heal. We'll see. Stefan goes to his car. He sits in his car, punches the steering wheel, freaks out. Then Valerie gets in shotgun. Girl, could you give him a minute? I mean... Get back up, girl. Stefan says we should probably get back to the hospital. And Valerie says, should I drive? Because I hate to think we survived all that just to have you kill us both on the road. You're vampires. You're not going to get in that bad of a car accident. Yeah, you're not going to die in a car accident. But also, like, he's already in the driver's seat. It's going to be too much. I think him staying in a seat is about all we can expect from him right now. Yeah. Stefan says, I'm fine. And Valerie says, well, you don't seem fine. Damn, how'd you figure that one out, queen? Yeah. When'd you get your therapy degree? She's an empath. Stefan says, you know, this is all Julian's fault. And, I will, and yeah, mostly it is. But he goes through and says, he took Lily away from me when I was too young to lose a mother. That wasn't Julian. Yeah, he, he didn't take her. Lily just left. <laughs> she met him later. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan says, he hurt you. He killed our child. Yeah, he did both of those things. Mm-hmm. He destroyed Damon. Yeah, he had a hand in that for he sure. He had a hand in it. Sword. He wasn't alone, but he certainly, certainly yeah. pushed it. He has my home. He has my town. And what do I do? I let him live. I've been saying. I mean, it didn't make any goddamn sense to me either, buddy. Valerie says, well, he's strong and well protected. Girl, when and where? Neither of those are true. He barely kept up in a fight against Damon and Damon gave up that fight. Yeah. And no one protected him from shit. Yeah. And Damon was praying for the sweet release of death. So (laughs) So that's an easy fight to win. Valerie says there's revenge and then there's stupidity. Damon may not understand the difference, but you're smarter. That's not at all been the storyline with Julian. Oh, no. 
Damon's been the more level-headed one. Stefan's been the one who's like, we need to kill him right away. The difference is Stefan hasn't actually killed him. Yeah. He failed every time. Stefan says, I don't want to be the smart one anymore. Don't worry. You're not. <laughs> Good news for you, Stefan. You ha- you never have been. Stefan says, I want him dead. And it's like, great, let's then do it. I want him dead too. I'm with you. Like, I don't know when we lost this because I thought we'd been wanting him dead the whole time. Like, you're saying this like it's a reveal. Like, I thought we wanted him dead and you guys were just doing a bad job. I guess you forgot, maybe? I just don't understand why he's been alive this long. We entered a new chapter and the hell thing, the Phoenix Stone diversion just took us away from Julian. Mm -hmm. It just seems tired now. We could have, honestly, what should have happened, it's Stefan's fault, Damon gets stabbed by Julian with the Phoenix Sword. Mm-hmm. Stefan kills Julian, Nora stabs Stefan with the Phoenix Sword. Yeah. So then we still get the Hellstone diversion, but then Julian's gone. We don't need Julian. He's not giving anything. I've been hating him the whole time. I can't wait till he's off my screen. Yeah. I'm so happy he's dead. And sorry to this actor, I hope you're enjoying being on NCIS Sydney, but you pissed me off bad. And honestly, I don't know that I'll ever be able to watch this man's face without being annoyed. Yeah. Sorry. Todd. Is his name Todd? He is named Todd. Oh, we go to the woods. Matt's in the woods with Penny. Great. Now more dumbass dud storylines. Nice fun hanging out after we just shot that dude in in his home. Cops. I mean, he, he was a vampire, fair enough, but I just have to say. <laughs> yeah. They're drinking bourbon. And Penny says, if you're about to say Penny for your thoughts, I'm going to punch you in the face. He says, I wasn't going to say that. He said, I'm not even smart enough to come up with that pun, so. Yeah, also he says, I'm pretty sure I already know what you're thinking. And she says, oh, I'm processing. Just give me a minute. So vampires are a thing. Mystic Falls has always had vampires, but now it's completely overrun. Anything else I should know about? Matt says, uh, that's enough for one night. Also, I don't have time to explain. We're in season seven, so. Matt's like, we're not really like bringing people up to speed all the way anymore, so. There's no point in me telling you about werewolves in the originals because they're not really a thing right now. Yeah, that's the the baseline you have, which is fine. Yeah. Penny says, oh, so that's what the weapons in your truck were for, fighting vampires. Yeah. (laughs) She says, are you crazy? What are you still doing in this place? He said, it's my literal home. Matt says, well, I don't talk to my parents. My sister is dead. This town is really the only constant I have. Besides, once you know the supernatural is real, there's really nowhere to hide. You know, you might as well take a stand, right? You could hide. No one moves (laughs) when you go somewhere. (laughs) Penny laughs and she says, <laughs> you are 100% not who I thought you were. She's still, she is so thirsty. This bitch is in heat. She needs a man bad. Get off single.com, girl. I know you can do better than this. And you know what? It's good. Matt needs a girl who's like after him or else he's never going to make it happen. And she's at least a little less crazy than the other ones, it appears. She's the most well-adjusted girl who's ever liked Matt. Unfortunately, that makes her less standable, but I was never going to stand a cop anyway, so... Yeah. She says, I thought you were cute, maybe a little damaged, in a sweet way. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Uh, She says, but I didn't know you were insanely brave. Brave, stupid, it all runs together. (laughs) Yeah. She says, emphasis on the insane. He said, no, I got the emphasis, thanks. (laughs) No, I heard you. We go over to a diner. Nora is sitting at the bar with a beer. And Mary Louise comes in. Nora says, I thought you'd be back in Mystic Falls by now. And Mary Louise says, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for today. We still make a good team, don't you think? Nora says, Raina's dead. Girl. Julian's safe. No. You'll surely sleep easy tonight. 
Probably not because she'll get kicked out of this house. Literally. Now that Julian's not there. Mary Louise sits down and says, do you like her? And Nora says, Bonnie, what if I did? She's beautiful, smart, and loyal. You appear to be only two of those things. Beautiful and smart. Beautiful and smart. Maybe beautiful and loyal, but loyal to Julian. I think beautiful and smart. Yeah. Mary Louise says, I'm sorry I chose Julian. If I could take it back, I'd choose you every time. I love you, Nora, and I hope you'll forgive me someday. It took her long enough to say that. <laughs> I know. It's kind of the least she could say. Before Mary Louise goes, Nora says, we do. Still make a good team. And Mary Louise sits down. They'll get together right in time to get killed by the Suntress. <laughs> Literally. We go back to the hospital. Caroline's there alone. She has texted Stefan and says, call me when you can. Uh, he doesn't respond because he's going through shit. Oh, yeah, he can't really call her right now. The babies are kicking again. And Caroline says, oh, you're both awake. I get it. I'm bored, too. I know my magic blood tastes really good, but you're both going to have to show a little bit of self-control a little bit longer. Hey, why don't we watch some TV? Now, these being babies, they don't listen to reason. They didn't understand a word. They said mommy's voice. Oh, you know what else about mommy? There's blood stuff. So she says, ow, and she grunts, and then she sees that her legs are desiccating. She calls out for Stefan. She tries to reach her phone to make a call, but her arm starts desiccating. So then her hand kind of freezes. That's not good. We go over to the grill. Julian is there sitting by the fire by himself. No friends. You don't have any friends because if they all love you so much, no one wants to sit with you. Yeah, literally. Please. Maybe then someone would have noticed when you got Invisiquaid. Yeah. Stefan comes in and Julian says, Stefan, what a surprise. Can I buy you a drink? And Stefan says, no. <laughs> also, no. there's no bartender. You could, what are you buying? <laughs> Julian says, you know, I really admire what you did for your brother today. It's a shame nothing will come of it. I'm afraid your brother's too far gone to be rehabilitated. Stefan's like, do you know how many times people have said that to me about Damon? Yeah. <laughs> Stefan says, you're probably right. Of course. And then Stefan stabs Julian's hand with a knife and says, you know, like, that's all your fault for running that sword through him and sending him to hell. Julian says, do you really think it's wise? And he pulls the knife out and says, to brazenly attack me in front of all my friends? Well, no one's moving. Yeah, like, well, no one moved with the knife. So, yeah, which like, so I guess it's wise. But of course, then Stefan says, Stefan hits him and they fight. And then Valerie comes out of nowhere, like crying. It's like, girl, could you help? I mean, I know she's helping. She's doing the spell. No. <laughs> Stefan says, here's the thing. They can't see you. This is a serve move to Invisiquay and then kill him. I just don't know why we didn't do this like four or five episodes ago. Well, and also because if this episode has taught us anything, like they didn't even need to Invisiquay, but whatever. But go ahead and do it. Like, please do it I, to be safe. But, you know, it's just silliness. Stefan looks at Valerie. They exchange a loaded glance to which I say, stop it. Which I say, just kill the dude. And Stefan grabs a steak or he breaks a chair and grabs a steak and says, you know, maybe this is cheating, but I don't really <laughs> care. Yeah, don't. So then he goes up to him with the steak. Julian fights back a little bit, but Stefan does get the steak into his heart. It's like the slowest staking of all time. It's like, can we move this along? Well, it's. I think it's supposed to be like dramatic and epic. Like this huge villain is finally dead. Again, no one's been moving. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm like, push that steak in. Let's, let's go check on Bonnie and Enzo. Let's just wrap this bitch up. I'm tired. Yeah. And Valerie is looking at Stefan and she's like, crying she's a little too into it i don't appreciate it even after what caroline said about how she wanted stefan to kill julian for her for her honor she made sure stefan was the one who did the killing yeah like an invisiquate is not that hard you could kill him at the same time she can invisiquate and stake him and honestly and or magically snap his neck and i also think that 
it would be more satisfying for Valerie's storyline because Valerie's storyline is like, I want revenge because he killed my baby. It would be more satisfying and I would stand Valerie more. I would, I mean, I'm never going to stand Valerie. I would respect Valerie more if that was like the closure of her storyline because she has more to hate Julian for than Stefan does. One, don't you want a girl boss moment? Clearly we're trying to set up Stefan and Valerie because we know in the time jump, they kiss. And you know what? That's more offensive than a lurk in Caroline. I'll say it. I will. We go over to the Lockwood house. Damon is staring at the fire. And the hot girl who was handing out shots earlier is there. I mean, lazy. Lazy. Damon says, oh, hi. Damon says, oh, this is lazy. <laughs> she says, you never said thank you. Big Sam was about to snap your head off and I tossed you that stick. Like, girl, he doesn't want your ass. Yeah. But he does, I guess. He's vulnerable. Damon says, yeah, right. Sorry, I'm having trouble keeping track of all the people trying to save me today. She says, promise I won't do it again. Girl, if you can just like. Just speed it along. Damon drinks his bourbon and she says, you like tequila? And she brings out a totally unlabeled bottle of tequila. It looks like she literally made this tequila in her toilet and put it (laughs) in the dustiest bottle she could find. Like, where did she get this tequila? He's like, that's not tequila. He says, I'm more of a bourbon man, but what do I got to lose? She kisses him and at first he stops her. And then he looks at her for a really long time. I would have been weirded the fuck out if I was her, but he does kiss her. (laughs) And it's like, Like, okay. okay, you've seen enough. We go to a mysterious location where Enzo is. I know what it's called. You don't know what it's called. Enzo's looking in the room at Reyna's old lady body. It's like a glass room. He sees the window. She's locked in somewhere. (laughs) He says, you know, I knew if I sent those postcards, one of the heretics would lead me right to you. And then the body catches fire. It's unclear if he did it or the room did it or if it's just default. It's kind of like a crematorium, it looks like. Yeah. There's a lot of smoke in here. So as soon as it's smoky, I'm like, oh, here she comes. And you said, yeah, here comes Natalie Kelly out of the fog. I said, yep, it's time. I've been saying it. Time to be proven right. A young woman comes out of the fog, hits the window and looks at Enzo. Decidedly, not Natalie Kelly. Not Natalie Kelly. Not even a little bit. I will. Let me go over her IMDb while we're here. I could gaslight you into saying this isn't Raina, but what's the point? It is. Yeah. It's obviously her. And I'm so fucking tired of this dud of a fucking episode. Let's let's move to the Raina stuff. At least we have something here. So this is Raina Cruz. This is the Raina Cruz we can expect to see. She's young. And she is played by an actress named Leslie Ann Hanaligan. I'm trying to look what she's in. She's not, I wouldn't say she's known for a lot. One of her first known for things is The Vampire Diaries. Okay. So that's what she's most known for. But she was also in, she was on an episode of Bones. Oh. And her character's name on Bones was Raina. Which episode of Bones? Season 6, episode 14. It's called The Bikini in the Soup. The liquefied remains of a wedding planner I found in her home tanning bed on Valentine's Day. Oh, yep. I know who she is. She's like the bitch getting married. Do you you want to do a classic game? Do you think she killed the wedding planner? Yeah. No, she didn't. Well, you set me up. (laughs) She's been on a number of other things as well. Bones. She's been on a couple procedurals, NCIS. She's on some Disney shows, Sunny with a Chance, Pair of Kings. She was also on an episode of Chuck as a bartender. And she was on Mackenzie Falls within Sunny with a Chance. She was on Greek, The Sweet Life on Deck, 10 Things I Hate About You on ABC Family, also Days of Our Lives. She's been in a lot, actually. So she did some young stuff. Yeah. So that's Leslie, or as we know, her Raina. We go to the same Dallas TV station we've been at three years from now. A car drives up and it's Stefan. Stefan gets out of the car and Matt approaches him. And Mm -hmm. Stefan says, hey, what are you doing here? 
And Matt says, Caroline's safe. I got her out. She's with Rick right now. Damon's still inside. I managed to disable the security cameras so no one can see out here, but I'm worried the ones on the roof are on a different circuit. Stefan looks up at the roof and Matt vervains him in the neck. I mean, oldest trick in the book. Matt essentially said, look over there. And Stefan looked. I mean, if it works, it works. Yeah. So Matt turns to the security cameras and he talks and he says, all right, I did it. He's out. Now I never see you again, right? And Raina hits a button to talk to him. And she says, yes, thank you. Have a nice life. She looks through the window at Damon chained up, as we've seen in earlier episodes. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Number one question. Is Caroline okay? Yeah. Do you think the babies are going to be okay? Yeah. I mean, we saw in the time jump, they're all there. So like... I know. I was going to say, this is something I want to talk about is... This is the issue with doing the half time jump that they're doing, where we're doing a lot of yeah. flashbacks. The stakes are lower. Like, we see that Raina's an old lady, but we know there's going to be a Raina Cruz because we know the Huntress is an issue in three years. Well, we don't necessarily know it's the same Huntress. So, you know, we could get around Maybe. That potentially. But we know that Caroline's going to be okay. We know the babies are going to be born. And, like, live. Yeah, we know that Damon's not going to die from Julian. You know, like, the stakes in general are lower. And this is why a lot of time jumps do, like, we do the time jump and then we can have flashbacks to explain how we got here. But this half time jump is like trying to have the best of both worlds. And I think they have a little bit of these like questions in the beginning, but unfortunately we've been doing the time jump now for 12 episodes. So they've had to reveal a good amount of stuff. Yeah. What are your first reactions to Raina? Uh, sexy. I feel like she'll be fun. I mean, you know, from what we've seen at the news station so far in the time jump and like manipulating Matt I think she'll be a charismatic leader, I hope, of, you know, it seems some sort of army that is all below her. It seems that she is still kind of the main person. So you think she's in charge of this organization that Enzo was captured by? Okay. If she's in charge, why'd they let her sit in a mental hospital? Maybe they couldn't get in there. They can gun down as many vampires as they want, but they can't get in a building? Maybe it's like a morals thing. Like they won't kill a person. They'll just kill vampires. Okay. Or maybe they didn't know where she was. Like, they knew she had been put in a mental hospital, but no one told them where, for whatever reason. Sure. But this organization seems pretty, you know, for lack of a better term, organized. How are they doing that without a leader? That's a fair question. And if she's the leader, why does she have to be locked in a room? And Enzo's outside of it. Shouldn't she get free reign? Well, she was locked in a room to come back to life. Sure. I assume that once she was up... They let her out? Yeah. Well, it just seems like if she's in charge. Maybe like when they're old, they have to wait for the old one to die for her to become young again. Like maybe it really is a pretty direct Phoenix thing. And maybe they were just waiting for her to die. So you think maybe this organization is the three everlastings that you referenced earlier because you think there's three. And they're underlings. And they're underlings and she's in charge of them. Then what's the point of them capturing Enzo? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I thought they were just capturing vampires, but they seemed a pretty much target vampires who have been in the stone or vampires who maybe deserve to be in the stone. But I don't think Enzo really fits that bill. Yeah, Enzo's just been trapped for a long time. I don't know. It's a mystery. It is, isn't it? That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.